everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and so glad that you are joining us. And if you joined us last time, you know that we are in the middle of a series where we are talking about sexuality with Brandy Harris. How are you doing, Brandy? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks for being with us again. And last uh, episode, we talked, we talked about sexuality. Most people think about sexual orientation, homosexuality, trans, transgenderism, those kinds of things. We talked about that. I want to say a little, it was actually a lot, but just for one episode, but it felt like, it felt like a little because there was like, I don't know how many more hours worth of things you think right. there were. Probably eight, eight, right. eight hours worth of content there. So we talked about it brief, if briefly. And so now we're going to spend the next couple of episodes kind of talking, not just, not just about orientation and LGBT issues, but what does it mean to have a good, healthy sexual life? Great. Just kind of our own sexuality. And so, Brandy, thanks again for being here. If you, you didn't listen last week, Brandy is a great friend, a leader in our church, and a licensed therapist. What are the letters again? LPC and LMFT. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And again, just uh, with a great heart that God has given her to just kind of help people, Christians, all people really, um, have a healthier perspective on sex and sexuality. And so, I mentioned this last episode, and I'll say it again, that I just really do. I think whether... You think about who I am right now and who I want to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now, what I imagine a great life with God is going to look like and what my family is going to look like. Like I I have this idea and somewhere between where I am right now and there, it doesn't happen. And And I believe that really it is sex and money more than anything else that keeps people from becoming who they think God wants to be, which is why if you come around the grove long enough, you'll hear us talk about those things a lot, and honestly, get prepared for it. Spoiler alert, get ready for us to talk about them all a lot more, even so. And so sex, I'm not ready to put one at number one over the other one, but I might put sex over money at this point in my current internal ranking system as far as what's derailing people. And so, Brandon, it's kind of launched this question. I just said maybe, maybe the possible broadest, vaguest question I could possibly ask around this. When you think about what... What do you believe are the most common expressions that Christians have of unhealthy sexuality? Unhealthy. So there's several different directions we could go with this, um, but probably my most common definition is going to be harm when harm is being done, mm-hmm. either in a, in a person or between two people. So in a person, there would be harm done if there was any element of shame. So Anything that is telling that person, I am bad, or I am unlovable, or unwanted in my community, then there's a problem. There's an unhealthy element of sexuality there. And then between two people, if there are, if there's shame between them, where one of them is saying there's something wrong with you, or if one of the people in those interactions is feeling negative about who they are, or unvaluable in who they are, but then also any any harm done as in hurting each other, whether it's out of disrespect or rejection or just an inability to connect. Sometimes there's just a, some blocks that keep them from connecting and that's really painful for people. So um, even if it's not physically painful, it's emotionally painful to not be able to connect with the person that you're trying right, to love. Right. So, Well, let's just, let's just camp on that word for a little bit because... I really, I, I, w- I would agree that that is probably the core issue. I, I might would say, hey, 
it's these five things that I see the most, but really probably all five of them to some degree have their root in that word shame. Mm-hmm. That there there is some shame that I have around either the idea of sex mm-hmm. or what I feel about it or me in particular, just some, there's, there's some shame there. So maybe, maybe you can give us a good definition of shame and how, how does, how does shame, like, how, how does, how did it get there? Like what, like what, what, how does, how does shame interact with our sexuality? Like what, what, how would you define that issue? Yeah. So I, I mean, if we want to use a Bible example, you know, one of the first times that we see shame show up is in the garden when Adam and Eve have messed up, they've done something wrong and they feel shame. They realize that they've run into, that, that they've messed up, that they've run into one of their limits and they don't feel good about it. So prior to the mess up, they felt good about who they were. They felt good about their connection. They felt connected. Prior to their their sin or prior to their mess up, they felt like there was something wrong with them and that they were overly vulnerable, overly exposed, and had to cover up or hide in some way um, because there was something wrong with them. Okay, I I, re, I really like that. So how how does how does how does that get into my my sexuality? Like like I I grow I, I grow up I think a very normal, healthy, regular teenage boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm mean, this is not hypothetical, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, there's just parts of me, things that I think, things that I feel, the sexual impulses I have. There's a lot of I feel I feel a lot of shame around those things. Like I feel like that sh- that that shouldn't be there. Yeah. How did that happen to that hypothetical young man who is now 50 years old? Yeah. So I, the big fancy word would be the puritanical culture. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Um, Just really this idea that, really the idea that sex is naughty or dirty or bad is, is out there in the culture and it's definitely out there in the, in the church. It's not in the Bible, by the way, but we take pieces of the Bible and we make it say things to imply that there's something nasty or dirty or wrong about sex as it is. And so then that just, it, the culture bled on you. It got on mm, you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happens. You, you, and it wasn't necessarily someone saying to you the words sex is bad or sexuality is bad. It's, it's implied a thousand different ways in the books that we read, in the sermons that we've listened to, in the way we hear our parents talk about it or right. not talk about it. Right. Or the things we hear our friends talk about or our teachers. I mean, it's it's everywhere this implication that sex is naughty, dirty, bad, either either directly said or when we say nothing at all, there's an implication that there's something wrong with it. So that kind of feeds into one of my big questions. Like, okay, puritanical culture. I mm-hmm. hope we all understand what that means. Puritan is a is a the, the group of early Christians in in America and they had a very strict morality. Mm-hmm. And so puritanical culture means having a overly strict morality, right? So you know, you said it it was it was everywhere. They mm-hmm. were saying it, but they weren't necessarily saying it directly. Mm-hmm. Well, what were they what were they saying? Like what not were what are we, what, what are Christians maybe even still saying mm-hmm. indirectly? It's in the books you said, right? What are the things that are being said that good, air quotes, mm-hmm. Christians 
think and believe I'm trying to help you with your sexuality, but actually an unintended consequence of what I'm saying is bringing shame. Yeah. What are what are these things? What are the things that we're saying that we need to stop saying? Yeah. So so one of them is just this implication that anyone who is vulnerable about sexuality is a freak. So if if we have a woman or a man who is more overtly on the outside, you can tell their sexuality because they're relating with people in a more sexual way, then we shame them. We call them a whore or we call them a freak um, mm. or just turn our backs and move our bodies away from the weirdo. So there's one. I would also say that anytime that we shame a child who's masturbating in some way, if we see them touching themselves or getting excited, we freak out, you know, like, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, put that away. Don't touch yourself, you know, go to your room, whatever the, <laughs> right, whatever sure. the response is, that implies there is something messed up and weird about you um, when we re- react that way to right. children. And I think there's also, I, I mean, I've, I, I've witnessed this before where there will be some element of sexuality out in public and there are people huffing and looking away. That's how, that's what I see. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, look away really quickly. What do you, like, what do you, what do you mean by like someone who was dressed in a way that could be considered provocative? Yes. Dressed okay. in a way where more of their body was revealed or, or you could say like maybe a, a billboard or a magazine or even a book with some some slight amount of more skin than normal um, or normal for our culture, I should say. Anytime where there is a revelation of sexuality or, or honestly, even the female body, we very quickly go into our shame mode where we're going, oh, that's weird or gross or put that away or cover that up or hide it in the bag or some sort of subtle implication that there's something gross or wrong about right. it. Yeah. So here, here's something that I have you know, I've been saying recently is I wish I had been saying it longer, but I've only been saying it in the last few years. And I guess I'm giving you an opportunity to affirm or say that's still not great. Okay. So it's a moment of mild vulnerability here. So there's a common thing that was certainly true when I was a teenager, much more so when I was in college of kind of what it meant to kind of for a guy to avoid lust Mm -hmm. that if I'm the same at the beach, mm-hmm. like you say, and I, and I see a woman walking around who was attractive, mm-hmm. who was exposing more skin than we've did, than we have deemed appropriate, mm-hmm. that it is my, it is my obligation for myself to the person, to the, maybe the, to my, my wife or girlfriend as a firm affirmation to them that to just to, to, I don't, don't, don't look. And, and the fact that I was attracted to that yeah. is shameful, right? Yeah. But what I say now is like what I think what we call lust is we've we've we need we've we're calling it lust way too early. Mm -hmm. And so a woman walks by who is in your brain objectively attractive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she is showing her sexuality in a very attractive way. And she walks past and you think that was attractive, Mm -hmm. that there really is. Nothing wrong with that. That is, no. that is, you have now been, you're just a normal, regular person. Red-blooded American. That uh-huh. is not, that is not lust mm-hmm. any more than driving past a really nice house mm-hmm. and saying, that's a nice house. Mm-hmm. That's not coveting. That's yeah. not greed. Yeah. But when you, it becomes lust when I drive past, past that house every day 
and I sit in its in the driveway and think about that house should be mine. I want that house. It's unfair that they have that house. I'm going to try to take this. I mean, yeah, it crosses a lot. And it's the same with, with this stranger that has walked past me. Right. She is attractive. Okay. Yeah. But when I think I want that, that I, I, why can't I have, like when it, when it becomes a craving right, is when it becomes lust. So don't shame yourself guys. Mm-hmm. Because you were attracted to something that is attractive. Yeah. But you need to honor yourself and her as far as to what happens next. Yeah. Critique that. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's mostly really good. It's oh, mostly okay, okay, really okay. good. I'll, um, t- I'll take that. I I would say, yes, the, the attraction or noticing that it's attractive or she's attractive. I really want to say she because there is a difference between the woman and the house. I just use that as an example. Between. Yeah, it's a good example, but I, I, I want to explain how it's different because yeah. some people might not know. There's, there's a difference, first of all, in her personhood. The house is a house. It actually is a possession that you could own. And if you, if you were interested in it and you wanted to buy it, there would be no problem with that. You could, you could pursue that with the house if it was a reasonable thing for you. With a woman, she may or may not be available and you may or may not be available. (laughs) (laughs) If she's available for connecting with in a sexual way or in a romantic way, then before we jump into, can I possess her? The question needs to become like, can I see her as a whole person? Because Mm. joining and connecting with another human being as a whole person isn't is an equal level connection. It's not an ownership possession kind of thing. It's an it's an agreement that we come to that's a free agreement that we can be in it because we both want to be there, not because I can own you. And, and so there's a pretty big difference between how we relate to people and objects. Right. There's nothing wrong with like, I love that you use the word objectively attractive because that's it. That's it. When we first see each other, that's all we know about each other. Mm-hmm. All we know about each other is our objective attractiveness. We, that's, that's it. And so it's, there's not wrong to notice attractiveness. It's not even wrong to want to connect with something that's objectively attractive, including a human being. The question is, what do you do with that attraction and that desire? Do you, do you entertain it? Do you dig into it? Do you start to relate to it as if it's ownable or do you relate to it as an entire human being? So right. If, if the woman is beautiful, are you able to see that she not only has a beautiful body, but an incredible mind and, and a powerful story and a whole community of people that she's connected with? Can you see all of those things? Can you work in your mind to see her as a whole human? Or are you going to continue to react to her as if she's just an objectively attractive object? Right, for sure. <laughs> so That's good. Yeah. So what tends to happen then, so person finds himself in a situation and, and, and I think it's important for me to, I, part of me, it's like, I could say the same thing to a woman. Mm-hmm. A woman sees a guy walk past because I, honestly, you may want to say something to this. Uh, it was like, sometimes we think of lust as a, a male issue mm-hmm. and that, that it doesn't happen the other way. Right. But it does. But it does. Mm-hmm. But then, that, but then if a woman is, has the same sort of physical attraction to a guy walking past that puts her in the freak category. Yeah, a guy being like that is a normal guy who maybe not be handling it right, but the girl is a freak. Right. Yeah, because we in general relegate all female sexuality to bad most of the time. Yeah, because they're just not like that. Guys are like that, but girls aren't like that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just pause there for a second. How do okay. we we do that? Right. I mean, how, how do 
what what is what is what is the what are the ramifications of that of just kind of this thing that is out there that men are just naturally more sexual than 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 women are is it true but even if it's true are we doing harm by bringing so much emphasis to that yeah I wouldn't say that men are more sexual than women. I would say that women are equally sexual, but their sexuality is different. It operates differently. So a lot of sexual desire um, is driven by testosterone, which we know that men have a lot more of. Right. So men are often, not always, but often more aware of their sexual desire it's it's more in their face. They're more they they see it, they notice it, they're driven by it more often consciously. Women also want to connect with people and enjoy sexuality just as much as men do, but but they get there differently. So okay. whereas men are again often but not always driven by a visual cue, driven by the testosterone that's flowing through their blood already. Mm-hmm. Um, or even by a physical physical touch that might feel sexual to them, that their their testosterone is always right on the surface, so they notice it quicker. Mm-hmm. Women also have testosterone, but they have much less, and their connection often comes through a lot of other things besides just a visual cue or a touch. Um, so women are often driven by by wanting to connect in a mental way, in an emotional way. We say a contextual way um, where when they feel loved, then they feel pulled into sexual connection with someone. Whereas men often feel driven by the sexual connection and then they feel loved by that sexual Mm -hmm. connection. So it's just flipped around a little bit. And and again, I want to be really careful because not every man and not every woman is wired like that. But in in general, it's like saying men are taller than women. Right, right. Most of the time, that's true. Right. The, yeah. the, the range of men and the range of women. Right. The ranges are, you know, it's not to say that. Yeah, the, they overlap. The, the tallest woman is taller than a lot of men. Yes. But the range, the ranges are different. Yes. Yep. So. That's it. Okay. So, uh, so I have a moment of, of sexual impulse. Mm-hmm. However, man or woman, no matter how it comes about, I have a moment of sexual impulse. And again, this is an opportunity for you to critique things that I'm saying. This is going to be really good for me. This is going to, not only the people who are listening, but I have many opportunities to have these conversations with people. So you are, mm-hmm. this is, there's a lot of downline effect here if you're able to <laughs> critique the things that I say. So I have the sexual impulse and it seems like people go bad one of two directions. It is the shame, the shame mm-hmm. which is I should not have done that. Mm-hmm. And that makes me bad. There's something wrong with me, the self-punishment, or it's just like, well, if I felt it, Mm -hmm. it's natural. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens next is also natural. Yeah. Yeah. And that it seems like, so it's, it's either, it's either inappropriate indulgence or shame, shame and self-punishment seems to be kind of the two, the, the, the two things. And like, and healthy sexuality is there's is is a is a is a third thing. It's like yes. we need to avoid both of these. Yeah, yeah. There's a third option for sure. So, always helps me to think about the, the diversity of character with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. We have two. One is joy, and one is self control. Mm. And I think sexuality should be addressed with both of those. 
you know, when we experience some element of sexuality, we can experience it with joy because it's something that God created and he created for good and it is exciting and fun. And so we can see it as that and celebrate it as that. And then we also need to deal with it with an element of self-control. There's a point at which it becomes hurtful or harmful or self-centered. And so we need to take care not to jump into those other categories. And it seems to me that those two things, the shame and the inappropriate indulgence, that those two things are not separated from each other, but they're actually are fairly tightly connected. Actually, it's, 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 maybe it's not even two different responses. It's Mm -hmm. one response in a cycle Mm -hmm. because it would seem, again, I'm I'm saying seem because I'm always ready. I'm always ready for the expert to tell me like, no, bro, it's not, it's not it. It seems like that what happens is I, I feel all of this shame. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. And if I feel terrible and I think this about me, I'm, I might as well do something because I already feel terrible. I mean, like, it's not, it's not like, oh man. And so, and that especially in the issue of porn, which I don't necessarily, I don't want that to be the focus of what we talk about, but especially mm-hmm. with porn, where it's like, well, then I, then I might as well just indulge in an unhealthy sexual way mm-hmm. for at least for maybe a hot minute that the shame will go away. Mm-hmm. And so then I indulge in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Which then yeah. leads me back to shame. It's just this slingshot going back and forth. Yeah. We, in, in my office, I call it, I, I use usually more explicit language, but I call it the effort factor. Mm. Um, yeah. That it, it ruins it every time. Once you're slightly off of that perfectionistic ideal, then you slingshot to the other side and then you're, you're just going back and forth, right. trying to get it exactly perfect and then just ruining the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe kind of for a little diagnosis here for people who are, are listening, because I think there are a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not, I'm not expressing my sexuality in an unhealthy way. I'm, I'm only having sex with my spouse. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at porn. Mm-hmm. I'm not cheating. I'm not doing anything. Am I still unhealthy? And how would I know? Like, what are the, beyond just, I'm following all of the rules. I'm yeah. only having sex when I'm, I'm never having sex when I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, how, what are some other questions that we can ask of ourselves, single or married? Yeah. To, to, to know maybe I'm, maybe I'm unhealthy and I'm, I'm unaware of it. It's so normal to me. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. The first thing I think of is, I don't get to tell you that. I don't get to tell you that your sexuality is unhealthy. If you're content with what you've got going on for you, I I have no jurisdiction, right? I always feel that way. But on the other side of things, I would say when people ask Jesus those types of questions, like, am I doing the right things? He almost always directs them back to the heart. And so I, that's the question I want people to be asking themselves is, is the heart of my sexuality going really well? Am I enjoying myself? Am I enjoying my relationship with God in my sexuality? Am I enjoying my relationship with my spouse? Is there joy there? Is it going well? Is the heart of the issue there? Are we loving each other well? Are we listening to each other well? Are we compassionate and kind and excited about our Mm -hmm. engagements? Those are heart questions, not follow the rules questions. And so, and as far as how much... How much you want to grow, I think that the sky's the limit. I really do um, on sexual fulfillment and enjoyment. You know, I know that we, none of us is ever going to be 100% satisfied until, I would say, until 
we get to the next phase of eternity. But on this side, we can continue to heal and grow our whole lives. So if you're at a point where you're like, it's all right, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, okay, well, if, if that's all you want, that's fine. But God is so much, God is bigger and better than that. Okay. Um, and he offers more healing and more joy, more safety, more vulnerability, more intimacy. He offers more than that. And so if you are willing to pursue it and willing to be open to that, I absolutely believe he can lead you there. That's really good. That And that really will kind of, that kind of launches in what I want us to talk about next time, okay. which is let's just, let's pretend, let's get rid of unhealth. How can we be healthy? But before we get to that, I've got one question <laughs> in your class last fall. Mm-hmm. And I knew about this in advance, which I appreciate you telling me in advance that we were <laughs> going to talk about this. You said something around masturbation mm-hmm. and basically framed masturbation in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I and and you know, and it had the exact ripple effects that you and I both know it would have is just kind of short circuiting a lot of brains of just kind of like because masturbation has only been talked about ever really in negative ways. The only positive thing that I think I remember anybody saying about it was it ain't great, but it's better than having sex with your girlfriend, right? Okay. It was what was told to me mm-hmm. in youth group. Better better to do that than than to have sex. It's like a it's like it's it's and so remind me and and maybe, you know, for some of us remind some of us or say for the first time to some of us, what was it you said? Like what like what like if I if I were just kind of asked the broad question, hey, so what do you think about masturbation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I can't remember what I said a year ago exactly, <laughs> but I'll tell you where I'm at today. Okay. I I see masturbation, first of all, as a very healthy, normal part of development. So we we have evidence of even infants in the womb touching their genitals and calming down because mm. they were touching their own genitals. Okay. Mm. So it happens from wherever you want to start the beginning. It okay. happens from the beginning. <laughs> and it is a masturbation is, uh, if you were to look at the whole wide world, it's used in a lot of different contexts, including learning your body, pleasuring your body, calming down, stress relief, and helping a person go to sleep. Okay. Those are just some of the okay, ways people right. use masturbation. And a lot of those things are really good and healthy for a person to know how to do I want all people to know how to take care of themselves. If they're hungry, I want them to know how to find good things to eat. If they're tired, I want them to know how to fall asleep, right? So in general, when I think about masturbation as a tool that a person could use, I would say, great, you have a tool. Know how to use it well. Know when it's appropriate to use and when it's not appropriate to use. And I think it gets, the reason why it gets such a bad rap is that people use it in in a poor way often. Right. I would say that a lot of masturbation happens surrounding pornography. And I, I personally feel very against pornography. Um, I know the science behind it. Even without, even without a Bible argument, I could look at the science of how our brains are wired and how we attach to objects and false images and inhuman interactions and how that harms our ability to attach and connect with real human beings and with our own spouses. So I, I'm against pornography and so much masturbation happens around pornography. So 
I understand why they're so closely tied together and why they feel so, why it feels so dangerous. But I think we need to take those two things apart and say that pornography is, is an issue we need to talk about. And then masturbation is an issue we need to talk about. And they're separate and they, they require different attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing your body, understanding your body, feeling how your body works, um, being able to take care of yourself is one thing. Working on attaching yourself to false images is something else. So I also think there's another, and I think you and I talked about this last year, an element of sometimes there are people who use masturbation as a way to avoid connection with their spouse. As in, I'm, I'm either mad at my spouse or my spouse needs something from me that I don't want to give. Or I don't know how to be vulnerable with my spouse, but I do know how to jack off in the shower. Right. Those are ways that people escape good connection. And I don't think that that's helpful. Um, I don't think it's good. If you're using masturbation as a way to escape or I guess you could say punish your spouse, but more it's about escaping. Right, <laughs> um, for sure. I, I don't think that's healthy and, and we need some work needs to be done, um, either in your own ego, in your own humility, um, maybe to get some healing from a therapist, from someone who can help you figure out how to connect better. There's a, there is a problem there. Right. The problem isn't the masturbation, though. The problem is the avoidance. So get in the weeds of the details here a little bit. I'm listening sure. to, we got a third category. So we talked about earlier, the guy sits at the beach, sees the attractive yes. girl, walk yes. past. And then later that evening by himself... Is yeah. imagining himself with this stranger. Yes. To me, that feels like he is, even though she may not have any idea, mm-hmm. that is a violation. That is a violation of that woman. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. It's using her as an object rather than relating to her as a full functioning human who has a right to decide if she wants to be in that sexual engagement with you or not. Right. You turned her into an object alien that you can do with whatever you want. And that's, I don't know, it's unkind. It's disrespectful. And honestly, and I think that was most of the stir of sorts behind what you said, because I don't know, there are very limited number of opportunities where a guy can masturbate Mm -hmm. and it not be about objectifying Mm -hmm. someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not just something it's not just I go find food and I can eat it. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's always mentally and emotionally, not emotionally, at least mentally, someone else involved that mm-hmm. makes it that makes it inappropriate. Ninety nine plus percent of the time. Yeah. But I think again, female sexuality is different, mm-hmm. and so a woman would say that mm-hmm. with a lot more confidence than a man ever could. Yeah. Although- and which, which is the thing that I felt about just your class in general, and this is an Mm -hmm. affirming thing, which is something you said and goes to patriarchy, which you've said in our last episode, which is it is good to hear women's voices Mm -hmm. around the issue of sexuality because it is is different. Mm -hmm. And you saying that made guys stop and kind of go, okay, well, that's that's different. Wait, 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 how does this, you know, which is what women are having to do yeah. All of the time. Yeah. There's a guy, he's saying something. He's saying that from a guy's perspective. Yeah. He thinks he understands me, but he doesn't. And so we can have these kind of conversations. But yeah, I, I want to uh, commend you for having the courage to say that mm-hmm. last fall mm-hmm. and, and to be able to have this conversation right now, because I yeah. think one of, the, one of the things that makes this such a huge off ramp, and we mentioned this um, last time, or maybe it was early, I, it's all starting to blur, but 
There's just a lack of talking about it. Yeah. A fear of talking about it yeah. is, that's part of the problem. If we yeah. can't have honest conversations, if God's people can't have honest conversations about it, where are, where are the conversations about yeah. it? And so I just yeah. appreciate that. So we'll wrap this up next time with um, just kind of some talk about just maybe some positive things, some positive encouragements about what it would look like for us to get healthy. So Brandy, thanks again for being here with us. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. And I encourage you to come back next time as we wrap up this series. And as always, uh, we would love to connect with you at the church. You go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect. If you're local, we'd love to see you on Sunday or you can join us online. Either way, let us know that you're listening any way that we can help and serve you. Uh, Guys, take care and see you next time.